0: All right. <clears throat> Thank you for being here tonight. You have to listen a little better because um, my throat's just a bit scratchy, and so we'll pass out the notes here. I do want to encourage you: um, if you help in an adult class in any way, um, you know, anyway, you don't have to be a care group leader or a teacher or whatever. We are welcome to come to the training. Just some practical things on on how we can <clears throat> help the people that come to our church. And so, eleven thirty. At the latest, it'll be one hour, 12.30, and then we'll have lunch. I don't think it'll go quite an hour, but we have a good lunch plan for you. So hope to see you there. We've been in our new series on Proverbs. Um, Again, many years ago, I did probably several years on Proverbs. But this is a specific subject I wanted to get to. And so we've been on it for three weeks. This is our fourth week. By way of very, very brief review, I don't want to Belabor it, but we do need to understand the basics. If maybe you missed one or two of the days, Um, uh, Proverbs deals with wisdom, okay? And what is wisdom? They're in your notes there. I don't think I put a blank on this. This is review. Wisdom is the ability to apply God's truth to everyday life. It's not just knowing a bunch of facts, it's being able to figure out what God is saying and be able to apply it to our lives. Um, sometimes we read the Bible, or <clears throat> if we, even if it preach it, we're going through stories in the Bible. Well, what, what, what does God give us the stories for? The New Testament tells us they were written for our example. In other words, so we can learn some things from those stories. And so we learn the principles behind the story, not just so-and-so married so-and-so, and they had this many kids, and they did this, this smart thing, or they did this dumb thing, or whatever. We're trying to learn principles from the story that we can apply <clears throat> to our lives. That's wisdom. And then we have, um, again, the ability to live God's truth, the same thing. Three types of people in Proverbs, and it is the wise man, the one who learns God's word and applies it to his life. There's the fool, the one who ignores and defies God's word. And then this is the simple one, the one who doesn't know or understand God's word. Now, these three people apply to our... Our subject at hand, avoidance. Certain things we should be careful about. We should maybe steer away from. The wise man, when it comes to avoidance, he learns God's word and avoids that which God tells him to avoid in his life. By the way, Proverbs doesn't just talk about avoiding some things. It talks about receiving some things. Okay, so don't think that as I go on. Uh, That's the only thing in there. If you were in the other series, you learned some of those other things. The fool is one who ignores and defies God's word and embraces that which God tells him to avoid. That's the complete opposite. And it's purposeful. They're not trying to avoid anything because they could care less what God says. They'll actually embrace those things which God says we are to avoid. The simple is one who doesn't know or understand God's word, so he doesn't know what to avoid. Now, and so as we look at that, we've started already with a couple of subjects. But when we think of avoidance, as I mentioned, we think also of separation. Now, if you're newer, okay, uh, some of this stuff can seem a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Next level in its application you know, like, wow, God expects some of these things for us? And I don't want you to choke on that. And I'm, and I'm not here to help us to choke on it, but I want us to understand some of these things. Because, you know, if God says very specifically, hey, avoid that, there's a reason behind it. And so as I go a little slower with these points, I'm trying to, to get us to see it. Not just as God's taking this away from us because the stuff he's asked us to avoid is stuff that's bad for us. We see it from the proper context. These are things that are, are detrimental to our Christian life. These are things that would keep us from living a life that would honor God. And so uh, that's what we're talking about here. As we think about wisdom and the ability to apply God's truth to a life, we think about taking this and living this. Well, part of that is taking it and living it in a sense of God says you live this way, so you avoid that. And so that's, that's the mindset in this particular series that we need to understand and if some of this, I know when I was newer and I'd sit in church and sometimes the pastor would get up and say something, I'm like, what? You gotta be kidding me, that's that's in the Bible? Because it was completely contrary to who I was. It was completely contrary to my life, but I had to look at it through the lens of the Bible and say, you know what, there it is. And apparently if God thinks it's a big deal, I should think it's a big deal as well. And so we started with sinful people. Uh, We need to avoid their deception, their direction, destruction. We've started last week on specific paths. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 12 to 15. It says, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things. Now they're going to define this evil man who leave the paths of uprightness. To walk in the ways of darkness, enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. We looked last week at the fact that the path that we choose, and when it's talking about path, it's talking about how we choose to live our life, our path in life, our way, the the manner, the, the the direction determines everything in our life, everything. And so God's very specific to be very careful about some things, and we looked at it. It determines the journey we will have, we looked at that, smooth or hard, the destination we will arrive at, good or bad, and the places we will pass by. So now, having looked at that last week as introduction to this, what are the three places that are mentioned in our verses. The first is this. The paths of uprightness. The paths of uprightness. The evil man there who leave the paths up of uprightness. Now, he mentions that they leave it. Why? Because he doesn't want us to leave it. That's the path we're supposed to be on. We're supposed to be a just and an upright person What does uprightness mean? It means this. Being straight and even in our life, and it's talking about it. The word means from a moral sense. Morally right. Morally straight. Morally even. That's the path. When we walk on the path, we're walking straight. What do they call it? The straight and narrow. We're trying to live right on what God says. We're not trying to deviate to the right or to the left. We want, to, and, and, and it's specific. It's in a moral sense. Now, here's a statement. It's in your notes. Paths are mostly determined by the kind of morality we desire to live. That's it. If you look at someone's life and the direction, the path, the way, whatever you want to call it, and you try to define it from a biblical standpoint, is this a morally right life? Is this trying to be, you know, upright, just, and all the things the Bible says? Or is this the other life? The choice is made because that's where a person typically morally wants to be. And we may blame it on other things. But the fact of the matter is, we want to be on that path. And the problem is this. If we are to live righteous, we've got to choose the righteous path. There's no other way. You say, why is that a big deal? Because our society mocks anything that is righteous, moral, and pure. They just do. They just do. You, you watch your entertainment. You shouldn't. They, I guarantee you. Anything that's right, they're not, that's not what they're pushing. They show a family. The family is either, either broken apart, mom's running the show, dad's clueless, and the kids do everything. Like, that's just normal. Now, it may be normal in society, but it's not right in the eyes of God. They can't even comprehend that somebody would want to live right. Come on, you know it. If you work somewhere or you're around a group of people and you're trying to be righteous and live the right life, you know what it is. A lot of times they'll start picking at you, right? Holy Joe. How many of you ever heard that one? That's not, They used to be back in my day, back when we had dinosaurs, but Holy Joe, right? Or um, uh, Choir Boy, why? Because it bothers them that somebody would actually not want to live that type of lifestyle. We looked a little bit at that last week. That's why uh, our society doesn't even try to promote that anymore. You to, look, in our schools, they don't go in our schools and teach the children children. I'm, it's sickening to even have to say that. used to be teenagers in high schools, but now it's, they don't try to teach them abstinence. They're giving them birth control without their parents' approval yeah. behind their parents' back. Yeah. Why? They've given up. Well, that's just how you're going to be. That's why they have these, basically, I'll just be honest, they're pornographic books in our grade schools. Teaching the kids about all kinds of, uh, uh, of deviacy. It's evil. It's wicked. Why? That's what they promote being morally pure and being right is a joke anymore. <clears throat> but that ought not to be towards us. People's attitudes towards adultery are lax. Towards, towards you know, uh, being together before you're married. It's all lax. Why? That's just our society. But should it be like that with someone who wants to be righteous? It ought not to be. That's why God talks to us. Now, how can we tell if we are on this righteous path? Let me give you a couple thoughts, and it kind of goes back to last week. First of all, is our current path, or your current path, it's kinda, it kind of flips back and forth on who, is our current path taking us on a righteous journey, right? Now, just look at your life. You, you look at how you're going on a day-to-day basis from the time you get up until the time you go to bed at night. Would you define that life and how you live and what's going on? Would you define it as righteous? Would, is, that the, is that the journey? Right? Come on now. Or, or does that only happen in church? And then we get up in the morning, we, we head to work and we put stuff on our, our, our car radio that's just not of God. Could be a talk show even. Could be our music. By the way, the type of music you are is a big deal. The um, type of music you are. The type of music you listen to. It, it says about us. So how's that journey? Well, you know, I have church, but the music and the entertainment and the way I talk and this, that, and the other, it doesn't match up with the church. Then you're not on a righteous journey. Do you experience things in your life that you don't need to because of the way you're living? That's what happens in the wrong journey. Next, ask yourself this question. Is your current path leading you to a righteous destination? Is it? If you continue in a set pattern of living, by the way, the Bible kind of calls this prudence. Prudence is thinking like the decisions I'm making and the things I'm doing, where will they lead me to? See, most people just get caught up in them, and then they just hope that they end up in a good place, right? It's not going to work. But, but think about that for a minute. You can pick any area of your life. That's why, in our setting, we encourage the kids in the way that they date or the way they court. Because if your relationship is wrong during that process, you're, heading down, you're, you're setting up seeds of destruction for your future marriage. And so you could just pick, it, pick anything else. Is your current path leading you to a righteous destination? We think about our children. How are we raising our children? What are we allowing? And by the way, let me say this when it comes to that. If you want your children down a righteous path and a righteous destination, you have to lead them. Don't let them lead you. The average person, if they tried to take the cell phone away from their child... It'd be World War III. Come on. I don't have that problem with my children and their phones because until they were 18, they didn't get a phone. I never had a fight about that because up front, I'm like, you'll get a phone when you're 18. You don't need one. There's nothing good about a a teenager with a cell phone. Thank you. It's very weak in here. I haven't said it in a while, so let's just, let's just say it. We have, and by the way, our, we have great teenagers. We haven't had, some, you know, you always have some problem, right? We haven't had anything this year. Our kids are great. But you know what? Whenever we do have a kid that goes through an issue, 99 times out of 100, I'll sit with them in the office. It's technology related. It started with technology on their phones, so I don't. my kid doesn't have an iPhone. I know, but they have unfettered access to an iPad. Be very careful. Okay? And, and I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be mean. By the way, my kids are happy. I think. Well, they buy me Christmas gifts. They must be. I don't know. You know when they're 18, you get your phone, that's fine. But, but just you have to think through every single thing you're doing. Right? And where is this going? Is this going to take me to a good place? To a good destination. And then the last one is Is your current path directing us past righteous places? Right? The path you, as I mentioned last week, the path we, we, we take depends, that shows the places we pass by. If in my life I seem to always be caught up in and uh, in, in be around things that aren't right, could it be you're placing yourself there because you're on the wrong path? And so, these are things we, if, God, if we're gonna be on the, the path of the uprighteous, we need to be able to do and be in the right place. Here's a little thought. If you are walking on the righteous path, the journey is smoother, the destination is spiritual, and the places are safe. Now, it doesn't mean you don't need to be careful. Right? Because even when you're doing the right thing, Satan's always trying to there'll be someone that'll try to throw seeds there. And so you still need to be very careful. But you know what? If you're going the right direction and you're doing the right things you're faithful to the service of the church, which you guys are a Thursday night crowd. You're reading your Bible. You're spending time with God. You're trying, you know, you're trying to honor God throughout the day. You can get through those things. But be very careful. So that's that. The, the path of unrightness, of uprightness. The next path is, he mentions, the ways of darkness. Verse 13. They leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Walk in the context of this in the New Testament is talking about our manner of life. Ways is, again, it's like a path. I'm going down the way. So, Darkness. What has darkness always been a symbolism of? Think about it. Darkness. Sin. Uh, Satan isn't called, you know, he's called the prince of darkness. And so we, darkness has always been associated in a symbolic way with that which is wrong, sinful, evil. That's why you, you go to a bar, and I don't. But it's not well lit. Okay? Okay. It's like places like that, they're going to keep the lights down. It sets an atmosphere. But darkness, it's a symbolism for sin and evil. So what happens? If our life gets on the wrong path, our life can be characterized by darkness. Proverbs 2.20 tells us to do the opposite. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of rightness. God says, I don't want you on the way of darkness. I want you on the righteous path. I want you sticking it out and going forward. Don't get caught up in the ways of darkness. We must commit to walking on this path with the right people as we've already seen. But understand this. You cannot get to the right destination if you're on the wrong path. Right? Right? I mentioned this story years ago, but there's a thought from it I want to share. Probably, uh, man, almost coming close to 20 years ago, we were going on vacation, and we had just got a, a, a new Suburban. Um, it's not a Ford. It was a Chevy, so we got that right. And um, we, it, it came with OnStar. You don't need OnStar anymore, right? Because, you know, technology. How many remember OnStar it was this, you get three months free, right? And you push a little button and a lady's on there and you tell her your problem and she fixes it, you know, for free because you got three months. They're trying to get you to pay the subscription. And so um, I was driving. It was the middle of the night. I got real tired. And so I let someone else in my family drive. Do the math, 20 years ago. But, um, and so uh, I took a little nap. I woke up and and we're driving through clouds and I knew like, okay, we're not supposed to be in the hills. Um, We never do drive through clouds on the way to my relative's house. And like, uh, how are you doing? It's this person who was driving the car for me. Um, I said, how are you doing, honey? What's, what's going on here? I'm like, she was having a good time driving. And I'm like, what road is this? She goes, I don't know. Well, we were supposed to be on the 97. And uh, this is, we didn't have GPS then. And so I had no clue where we were at. I'm looking around like I couldn't even find the road marker, but I knew we were in the wrong place. So I thought... OnStar. This is OnStar. How can I help you? I'm like, hey, I got to be honest. I have no clue where we're at. And we were up in the mountains. And she's like, okay, let me look. And she found the road we were on. It was a little obscure road. She goes, I don't know where you are either. I'm like, okay, we have a problem here. But then she asked the best question. Here's what she said. She said, where are you trying to get to? And I said here's where we're trying to get to. She goes, I'll get you to the 94. That'll take you there. I'm like, I know where the 94, I got it. And she gave us directions to get to the 94. But you know what she had to do? She had to know where we wanted to go, right? So let's look at our lives. Where do you want to get to in life? Think about it. When I got saved and, and I gave up that life, I started to think about what did I want for my future. Now, I didn't think about serving the Lord full-time. I had no clue about that. But I knew what I wanted. I wanted to live a certain right life. I wanted to make sure, no matter what I was doing or where I was going, that I was involved in ministry at the church and serving the Lord. And I started thinking about when I get married and I have a family. And I had desires and goals for what I wanted for all of those things. I had a, a path for it. And so what happens is sometimes we start to forget that and we start to get involved and get on a path that's taken us a complete and opposite direction from any of that. We have to be very careful because there's not really much, many choices. If you're not on the right path, you're going to be on the wrong path. Well, pastor, I'm on the neutral path. The Bible doesn't allow for that for a Christian. When you're on the neutral path, your car is going to go downhill, right? Neutral, it's like, okay, there's no neutral path. You're either going to go forward or you're going to go backward. You're either going to go on the right path or you're going to go on the left path. With the voting this year, that might help you. Let's look at the third one. This path is the one that is committed to avoidance. Committed to avoidance. Proverbs chapter 4, he says this. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. It's almost like he's got a hammer just beating you over the head. You get what I'm saying here? You know, when our kids were little and you're trying to teach them you know, and they don't know a lot. They're just little, and they're trying to figure it out. They just need to understand from mom and dad two things, yes and no, right? And if I say no, you don't do it. No, no, I'm not going to sit here and argue with a two-year-old. And so as they're little, they go grab something they shouldn't. You're like teaching them. Like, okay, take a moment. No, 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 no. 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 No, no. Why? You want them to get it. If I say no, you don't do it. Look like God just it's like he's like redundant here. Like, don't enter it. And then he gives a bunch of different thoughts, which we will look at. Because certain paths in life lead to certain destinations. here's the thing: we are to avoid the ones that lead to bad destinations. Avoid it. Now, when I got saved. I was on that path. So I got off of that path. And I got on another path saying, I'm never going to go back to that path. How many with me? But you know what's far better? If you have children and you're here, it's best for them to never have to enter that path. Right? I am tired of this nonsense that Christians throw out there. Well, how are our kids going to learn how to stand if they're not out there on the front line? They're not ready for the front line. Right? I mean, they got, they, they, they're not strong enough. That's what their child and teen years are. We're strengthening them so when they become adults, it's like, all right, you've been taught, you've been trained, you know what's right, get out there and do it. They're not, that's, that's, that's ignorant. Kids aren't as, kids aren't as um, intuitive or, or have the, have the uh, prudence that adults would have. So let's keep them away from that path. Well, pastor, they they just don't understand that path. As they're little, they don't need to understand it except that we said no, 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 no. Now, as they start to grow and get a little older, we'll explain to them the whys of why they don't get on those paths. But that's our job. And so uh, we need to make sure we help them. God, understand this. Now, listen, God doesn't want us want to give us victory on the wrong path. He wants to give us victory from ever getting on the wrong path. Come on. We're, we live sloppy, and then we want God to bail us out. Now, if you're a newer Christian, sometimes we're on that path, right? And God's helping us to get off that path. Totally Understandable. But those of us that have been saved for a while and maybe you've got off the path, you have no excuse to get back on the path. Well, you know, I'm just right in the middle of it, Pastor. I'm hanging around with all these unsafe people, but God's going to keep me pure. No, he won't. Because you're not giving them much to work with. Come on, that's temptation. You get so far down the rabbit hole of temptation, the farther you go, the harder it is to resist it. And then we blame it on God. No, God doesn't want to give us victory on the wrong path. The only victory on the wrong path he wants to give us is victory to get off, find an off ramp. Backtrack, get on the right path. God would rather we never get on the right path. That's avoidance. Look at Luke 11.4. Luke 11.4 is part of the Lord's Prayer, right? We know the Lord's Prayer. We don't pray it verbatim. The Lord's Prayer is an outline of things we pray for. And one of the things he asks us to pray for is this and lead us not into temptation. Huh. Why didn't he say, give us victory over temptation? Because it's better if we don't get into it. And, and, and so often the temptation we struggle with is the temptation we've placed ourselves in. Now, if you're just doing the right things in life and you didn't place yourself in a situation but temptation shows up, that's going to be fairly easy to, 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 to defeat because, you know, it's just come in, you're in a good place. And it's like, nope, that's easy to see. It's, not, it's strong, but it's not as strong if you know what I'm saying. But when you purposely are in a wrong path and you place yourself in that temptation, everything around you is going to be pushing you to take that temptation. Whereas if you don't face temptation, you're doing the right things, it comes your way. It's so forward, it's like, God's not in that. I'm done with it. I'm out of here. But it's harder when you're on that path. And God says the best way is just pray. Lord, I don't even, Lord help me not to even have to deal temptation. Lord, help me to divert myself. And, and even if I'm doing, just keep me from it. That's the best plan of action. Avoidance. Now, look at all the words he uses here to tell us not to even get started. Look at these words. Enter not. You know what it or not means? Don't get started. Don't even get started. If we did that, all of us would be way better. That's where prudence comes from. We take time to evaluate where that path would take me. I've, I've, I've seen over the years, and I'm, it's, 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 it's sad, I've seen people do horrific things and ruin their life, their marriage, their family, they've ruined everything, their relationships, their friends, and, and, and it's like, what happened here? Because before they got into this course of action, they didn't stop to think, what are going to be the repercussions of this? I mean, what's going to happen? What, if I start doing this, who's this going to affect? What's this going to affect? We don't think it through. Because if we did, we would say, I'm not, I'm not getting down that path. The, and as I mentioned, the entrance sign to the wrong path is, path is written with, temptation, our lust and desires. Satan's not going to throw something at you that you wouldn't be interested in. (laughs) That makes no no sense. That's like fishing for a certain type of fish and using the bait that fish hates. You ain't catching it, right? You got to throw in what that fish desires. And so he says, enter not, don't get started. And then he says, go not, don't advance. Maybe you've gotten a little too close, don't go, stop. Stop. Don't go any farther. You know, we get involved in things sometimes. and like, well, I'll just deal with it later. Because we're so caught up in the moment. We're so caught up in what's going on right now. We're not thinking about anything else. Instead of thinking, what's going on here? I ought to backtrack. Don't go. And then he says what our whole series is. Avoid it. Neglect it. Let it alone. Don't put yourself in that area. So often we know in our hearts what is wrong, but we talk ourselves out of it. That's what we're good at. How do we talk ourselves out of it? We make excuses. Well, after all, blah, 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 blah. We blame others. Well, after all, they're doing this. I deserve to be able to do this. He also says, um, don't pass by. Don't go near it if you notice it. A lot of times, that's where we have problems, right? That's not right, but we start just inching towards it. I'm not going to do that, but I just want to kind of check it out, right? The closer you get, the harder it is. Be very careful. Pass not by it. Hey, that just seems like a bad idea. I'm going to avoid that completely. I'm not going to go anywhere near it. Turn from it. That means to go a different direction from it. Don't hover. You know, stuff's going on, you're in a group of people and some things are going on, some things are being said, don't hover, leave. Just quietly find somewhere else to be. But we like to just hang around. And then it says, pass away. Don't give it a consideration. Just get out of there. Now, When someone, when someone as a Christian is going the wrong direction, you know what we call that? We call it what? Backsliding. Backsliding. See, that just means that you're sliding backwards in the wrong direction. We're going down that right path, and now we're starting to backtrack from that right path, and it won't be very long before we get off that path, and we're going to go down a different path we need to be very 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 careful about that jeremiah 3 6 said the lord said unto me in the days of josiah the king hast thou seen that which backsliding israel hath done she has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree and there hath played the harp." they backslid from their relationship with god that is why in the old testament all that judgment came upon them they just totally slid back from their relationship with God, and which meant they got off that path, and they got on the path of accepting false gods and idolatry. That's what it's talking about there. So what's the deal? The danger with a wrong direction is that when, you will, when, it, when it's just starting, you are still closer to where you started than where you will end up. Now think of that for a minute, Right? This is the wrong direction. I start on that path. But you know what? I'm just a few steps in. It's okay. And you keep going, and you keep going, and the fact of the matter is you're going to get down the road to where you're so far you're done. You're done. Unless you 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 get with God, you make some changes. What happens? It's harder to notice. And it's easier to tolerate. Don't tolerate that kind of stuff in your life. But the longer it persists, the longer you're on the right path, the farther away you end up. people that were good Christians could care less about God now. People that had uh, good marriages, they could care less now. Children could care less now. Serving God could care less now. Sharing the gospel could care less now. You know why? They got so far back, it's done. So it becomes easier to justify. See, they won't look at what you're doing. What you'll do is look at what others are doing or what you're not doing. And then you start to defend it. The point of this is you get to the point where you you, you say, man, I thought I would never end up here, ever. So what's the thing? If we are committed to walking the spiritual path, we must make sure that we avoid the influence of the world. Because the world can get appealing. Because it appeals to our lust. It appeals to our flesh. <clears throat> Puritan preacher Thomas Watson wrote this many years, hundreds of years ago. And he's using it as the analogy he's using is as Christians, we live in this world, we are like a ship in the water, okay? The water being the world. He says this the danger is when the world gets into the heart. The water is useful for the sailing of the ship. All the danger is when the water gets into the ship. So the fear is when the world gets into the heart. We are guiding our lives to the water of this world in a set direction. As soon as we separate and keep the water, the world, out of our boat, we can safely navigate through it to where God wants us to be. See, I feel like I'm sinking as a Christian. You're letting the world, the water in. It's bogging you down. Now, let me say this. Give me five minutes and we're done. As a church, we are very careful about what we allow in our church when it comes to influence. See? I want us, it's there in your, I want us to maintain a, a, a certain direction. Now, I so no people come in sometimes you understand it, but you do understand as, as a, and, and I'll, I'll put this on me as a pastor, I'm responsible for what I allow in this church. Just as a father, I'm responsible for what I allow in my family. And I'm not going to be the one that allows the seeds of destruction in this church by letting stuff in that, that's not honoring to God. And as the winds of change are blowing in our churches, and it's bad, you have to fight them. Because I know where we want to end up, and I'm not going to let anything divert us. Okay? I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to ruin our young people. I'm just not. I'm not going to get away from the preaching of the Bible to entertainment. We have to be very careful. Because when you bring in certain things, it does alter your direction. That's why we don't have certain music in our church. Pastor, why don't we have a praise team? Because we're never going to have a praise team. Why don't we play, you know, the kind of music on the radio? Because the music on the radio doesn't honor God. Well, why don't we listen to the type of musicians that have that type of music? Because uh, they're pagans. Their own words, by the way, not mine. Listen to who they say they listen to. It's all secular. And by the way, church, listen, I don't have time to develop this, but churches that allow that in, they start down a direction. You're stepping down that direction, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. And now the average evangelical church not only has contemporary-type Christian music, they just flat-out use secular Christian, uh, non-Christian music. There is none of God in that. Music is not for us, although I enjoy it. How many enjoy the music? Music is for God. And music is so we're singing praises to our God. Not trying to teach them some absolute idiotic truth from some stupid song that they just enjoy listening to. It's starting to leak out, but pray for me. We're not going to allow those influences. Okay, We use a certain type of Bible. We have reasons for that. And you, we have books about it. We've taught about it before because it changes some things. Certain influences, how we run our schools, what we expect from our ministry workers and leaders. Look, getting off course begins slowly, slowly. You know, it took them, I don't know how long it took them, 75, 80 years to find the the wreck of the Titanic. I don't know how long it was. It was a long time. You know one of the reasons they struggled with it? Because they thought there was a certain course the Titanic had taken. And based on what they were saying, it's like, well, this is where the Titanic should be. But someone figured out something. They were actually several miles off course. And once someone figured that out, guess what they found? They went to where that was, and it's like, there it is. But it didn't get off. Look, you're in the ocean. You just take a smidge off line. Give it enough time. Look at how far you are. If, and, and just, I'll say this, and we're done. As I think about our church and our direction, How many churches this Sunday, and I'm not harping, I'm I'm saying something, took off for the Super Bowl? They had Super Bowl-themed services. I've seen the videos. One church, what they did is they had a coin flip. This was the message. They had a coin flip. The pastor's wife lost. They teed up a Bible, and she kicked it. Their messages, they had four messages, and this is not the only, there's a bunch of churches that did garbage like this. They had four little five-minute messages from their staff all about stories from the NFL this year. And guess what the first message was about? Taylor Swift. The guy quoted her and said, the great theologian. He didn't even use a Bible. Say, well, how does that happen? That didn't happen. That happened 30, 40 years ago when we started allowing that kind of stuff into our church. And over the course of the time, church has become entertainment-driven, not Scripture-driven. So, you know, if I don't want our church to enter that path, and that's, that's a far right path, far left path, although a lot more churches are on it than you realize. So I'm going to start back down here. Let's be careful. I just want to put the focus on Christ. I want to put the focus on Scripture. And I want to put the focus on honoring Him with our lives. And be careful how we affect our next generation. Amen. I want them to make it. Let's end up there. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for loving us and thank you for your message. And, and Lord, I hope we understood this. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I, I, Lord, I just I want us to, to visualize what you're trying to tell us here. <clears throat> and Lord, I just know things go better for us when we put our lives on the right path and we go forward the way we should. Father, my desire for all of us here is that to the best of our ability, we would serve to honor you with our lives, that we can live our lives and have the, have the, have the, the, the abundant life you promised, have the marriages you would want us to have, have the families you would want us to have, have the, the, the ministries that you would want us to have. More importantly, be the church you want us to be. May we follow you. You will never lead us astray. Bless us now until we meet together again. In Jesus' name we pray.